0: The snow sparkles. It's like literally skiing on diamonds. I've always wanted to go to the North Pole. I'm going to go to the North Pole. There's ridge lines and there's blocks of ice and there's um, open water leads where the ice splits and you're literally just staring at the Arctic sea. I felt like there was a real kind of danger to my job when I got home if I lost any of my fingers. I took... Um, A load of names printed on a flag in memory of people's loved ones and my my biggest concern when I was evacuated was I told people I would take their loved ones to the North Pole and I have to take their loved ones to the North Pole.
1: They say find a goal and work for it with everything that you have to do what makes you passionate to go to university, get an apprenticeship, get a job with your company, be an entrepreneur, buy a house, travel the world, strive for financial freedom but in the end it's all about you it's about what you want for your life and where you want to take it. My name is Jessie Pengini, and my job is to listen. Each week, I seek out individuals who are chasing and achieving their own goals on their own terms. Each have their own individual motivation, focus, and passion. Their stories will change your perspective on what is possible, open your eyes to what real people are doing, how they're doing it, and hopefully inspire you to do what you want to do on your terms. It
0: was New Year. 2015 going into 2016 um we had some friends who were staying around for new year actually mutual friends of mine and yours um and and my friend said to me look cam you um you need to find something to get back to yourself um my second child my son was about nine eight nine months old at the time six months old at the time and I didn't struggle with like postnatal depression, but I definitely found it hard to kind of maintain my own hobbies and stuff yeah. after I'd had both the kids. Um, and I was always major into outdoors and expeditions and stuff. And he said, look, you just need a goal. You need something. Um, and he said to me, just pick like the biggest goal, the wildest thing that you thought you could never achieve. And to be fair, I don't think he thought I was going <laughs> to pick what I did. Um and I said to him, well, I've always wanted to go to the North Pole. I'm going to go to the North Pole. And he was like, okay. And <laughs> um, and and I and at the time, we all kind of laughed and was like, yeah, yeah, that's a lovely goal. We'll do like a half marathon or something instead. Like, I think we all thought it was going to be something much smaller. Um, and I just couldn't, as soon as I'd said it out loud, I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I'd never... I don't think I'd even formulated that sentence in my own mind before. It was literally just, it just came out and then that's it. Then I was like researching how to do it, um, you know, ways of getting there, how much it costs, fitness, equipment, like literally everything. So then I spent the next um, year, just over a year and a half, um, fundraising, training, Finding an expedition to go on and all that stuff, and then April 2017, uh, we went on the expedition first of April 2017. Wow! My gosh, that's that's a, how I mean the whole process of
1: that. You've explained it so quickly, but it must have been quite hard. Like, how did you even find the right expeditions? Did you had to look for like the kind of people, the right setup. Were there certain expeditions yeah. for certain levels as
0: well? Yeah. So I literally like. I googled it. Right, I and just, just went to see the, see the see first see source, googled it, <laughs> um, and tried to figure out. Okay, what what are the ways of getting there? Um, so essentially, you can do um, what m- amounts of commercial expeditions, uh, where you can either you ski, basically, um, or you can dog sled, but there's not many of those around, or um, you can literally just pay to be helicoptered and just dropped off at the North Pole. Um, or you can go in the summer months um, on like massive icebreaker ships. Oh, wow. um, but I basically needed a physical challenge as well as just the challenge of making that happen, um, of just getting there. So I decided to ski. Um, so you can ski um, half a degree or you can ski the last degree to the North Pole. So literally go from 89 degrees north to 90 degrees north. Um, so I started looking for companies who do that kind of expedition. There are more of them around than you think. Um, and I found one who, um, a really great company called Charity Challenge, who basically do all the kind of challenges that you would expect, like Great Wall of China, Kilimanjaro, like cycling, you know, Vietnam, all those types of things, but also things that are a little bit more specialised. Um, and what you're able to do is you can either pay outright and, and just do the expedition with them, or you can raise money for charity. And I kind of thought, okay, if I'm going to put that much effort in, be planning and training and stuff for a year and a half, I might as well make it kind of important to other people, like make it useful for other people and not just for my own personal goal. Um, so I decided to do it with Charity Challenge. Um a charity called action medical research for children um and so i fundraised for them and fundraised for the actual cost of the expedition because it is no cheap thing to go to the north pole um, so in the end i raised 37 pounds um some of that was for expedition costs and half of that, just over half of that was just for the charity that's
1: incredible that's absolutely yeah. amazing I mean, so i remember we went to the ball the charity ball and that was yeah fantastic, it was really good
0: Yeah, that turned out exactly how I wanted it to. That just like we had a good time, we raised some money, we raised a lot of awareness for actually medical research. One of their um, their head of uh, fundraising came and gave a little speech and told us what the money was used for and all that kind of thing. It was just yeah, it was lovely.
1: So you never do things by half either. So you're going to go and ski for the North Pole, and you raised (laughs) thirty-seven and a half thousand. Like that's yeah, it's massive.
0: And I was, and I think for me, one of the main things was kind of the time management and the, um, the expectation management of what I could get done in what kind of time frame. So I was working, so I was working um, kind of three-quarter time, um, part-time rates at work. So I'm still doing 12-hour shifts, I'm still doing nights, I'm still doing weekends. Um, and I've got two kids now. Uh, my husband who is was just phenomenal and having somebody who is supportive mm. um, I would have done it without his support but having his support just made it so much easier um, and I literally just said to him I'm, I'm going to speak to the North Pole and he said right what do you need me to do and um. I said I just need you to take care of the kids for two weeks in April whilst I'm on expedition and to give me the time to be able to do all the things that I need to do before then and he was like yeah cool no problem and just, like, he was phenomenal. There was no one time where I was kind of haggling yeah. to be able to, like, train or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, having to train, do my shifts, look after the kids and fundraise, all within that kind of 18-month period, um, it just it really sharpened up my time management skills, for sure.
1: So, something you probably still hold now. So, everything that you learned then or you managed to do then, I guess, rolls onto everything else in life and what you're doing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, completely. So so since I got back, I started the business, um, and that's helped massively with the business because now I understand how to kind of carve up my chunks of time so that nobody feels like they're missing anything, but there's time for everything to fit in. Yeah, A lot of side hustle now. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> that is, yeah. Now it's getting to the point where I'm not sure which is the side hustle. <laughs> so I'm still working as a paediatrician it's an absolute privilege looking after other people's kids. And there's things I do at work that I could never have that kind of satisfaction and that kind of contentment that I'm helping other people. All of it basically breaks down to to my desire always to be helping other people. That's why I wanted to be a doctor in the first place. And I just feel like now I've got more avenues to do that with, so I'm still at work, I'm still a pediatrician, But also, I can help other people, kind of professionals who may be like me. Going to the North Pole really changed my perspective on what was important, my family. You know, I mean, there is nothing quite so sobering, I don't think, is any kind of expedition. When you're out of your usual environment, it really makes you kind of contemplate and think about what it is that's important when you get home. But that was like... 10 days where literally all I saw was just frozen ocean. Um, We knew there were polar bears nearby. It was like between minus 30 and minus 50. Physically, I was finding it really challenging. Mentally, I was finding it massively challenging. Um, And it just really, I came home and I thought, okay, these are the things that I know are important. And family came right at the top. Um, so I've basically taken a step back from my hours at the hospital to spend more time with them but everybody's got to earn money and everybody wants to be satisfied in their career so now my business is kind of my second income stroke and equal income Um, but again it's just another avenue to help people. Other people who may be have got halfway through their career life and what they chose when they were 18, 20, 25 doesn't quite work for them anymore. Um, But there's parts of it that they enjoy, but they want a new challenge or their lifestyle has changed or their their life work balance needs to change. Um, So I'm helping those people to do the same sort of thing that I've done, but also the products that I endorse and I sell, I absolutely love and Coming from my background, I know why they work. I know how they work, um, and so that's been amazing. So now that is my hybrid career. It's kind of I'm sort of half like businesswoman, mum, entrepreneur, and kind of half still paediatrician.
1: That's amazing, and we'll put the links to that as well. So if anyone's watching this, it's yeah, awesome.
0: We'll add those on at the end. You're brilliant. Yeah. Now,
1: Cam, you mentioned when really in the North Pole the mental and physical challenges. So. I've never been. I can't actually quite imagine what it's like. I don't really know how to describe it.
0: <laughs> what was it like day one when you when you when you arrived? What was the, your first impression? So, so the the kind of process for getting there is quite complicated. So you fly to Oslo and then you fly up to Svalbard, um, which is Spitsbergen, basically, is a massive island off the north of Norway, um, and the reason. Um, The reason I've always wanted to go to the North Pole was I read um, The Northern Lights by Philip Pullman when I was a young girl. And I must have read it about 50 times. Um, And at that age, I didn't realize that any of it was based in fact. So I thought Svalbard was a completely fictional place, didn't exist. Um, And then I think I was about 16, 17, and I realized that, hey, The Northern Lights actually exist, and Svalbard exists. And I was like, okay, I have to go and see those things. so yes it was funny that like actually that's where you fly into so when you get there um that's where we did our kind of um you know we prepared our sleds we had to um oh I should have brought it down with me we had to um sew fur into the hoods of our coats um because it gives you kind of a little microclimate around your face to keep your face from getting too cold um yeah, so we, we prepared our rations, we prepared our sleds, we practiced skiing, we practiced putting up tents, which is not simple when you can't feel your hands, and there's like gale force winds, it's really complicated. Um, you need to practice it, because losing your tent is like literally losing your life, like there's nothing more important than your tent when you're there. Um, so yeah, so we did all of that, and getting off the plane in Svalbard, it was minus 10, which... It's pretty warm, actually. <laughs> when you're up there, you're like, "Oh yeah, minus ten, no problem." But when we got off the plane, I remember um, I travelled with some of the team, um, and we got off the plane. Like, oh my god, we should take a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that cold; it'll be fine. Literally took whatever it was five seconds to take the selfie, and then we're like, "Actually, yeah, it's quite cold. Let's just go in." <laughs> um, and when you get there, there's like a stuffed polar bear in the airport like it's just the craziest place we were there for four days and then you get on um it's a, a Russian camp that they build on the ice every year called Barneo so you take another flight to get there um and they create that camp for a month every year and then it gets dismantled and they take it back to Russia like it's literally created just for expeditions and when we got there it was minus 35. What does that feel like? You- and Well I thought I had something in my nose because basically your nose hairs um, freeze, so it's like you've literally got little icicles in your nose. So I thought I had something in my nose, and I kept like trying to blow my nose and like rub my nose, and it's like, yeah, that's not working. <laughs> and then the expedition leader came to me and said, "Cam, that's just what happens. Like you need to stop trying to mess around with your nose. There's nothing in there." Um, and it was just like an instant. My hands were cold, my face... And when I say cold, like, it's really difficult to describe it. Like, when you had a snowball fight and you've not got proper gloves on and you literally can't feel your hands. So I would say, I've lost my fingers, I've lost my hands. And it turned out, actually, that that was a real issue for me. I really don't have very good circulation. And there were a couple of sort of compounding factors that made that worse. Um... And yeah, and I would lose the feeling in my hands four, five, six times a day to the point I could crush them with a sledgehammer and I wouldn't know. Like I literally couldn't feel them. Um, So, yeah, so physically, that's what was going on with me, especially. So, my hands and my feet. The first day that we started skiing, I was like borderline hypothermic, so I was shivering uncontrollably. I was really struggling to keep my body temperature in the correct kind of balance. Um, And mentally that really takes its toll on you because you are constantly aware of your hands, you're constantly aware of your feet. Um, I had never skied before, like never had a pair of skis strapped to my feet before. So I had to learn to cross-country ski, like, literally that very first day. Um, And it's not flat, the North Pole. Like, there's ridge lines and there's blocks of ice and there's um, open water leads where the ice splits and you're literally just staring at the Arctic Sea, which is just, like, the most frightening prospect. Um, And then they freeze over and you have to test to see if they're thick enough for you to ski on yet and all this kind of stuff um but your thing your your mind is split in like 10 different directions all the time Um, and that's really exhausting like it it really that and that's why I think mentally it was so hard because I was trying to make sure my fingers were safe because obviously as a pediatrician um I can't not have fingers you know I mean just in life in general fingers are good but I I felt like there was a real kind of danger to my job when I got home if I lost any of my fingers. So I was really concentrating on that. And I'm trying not to slow up the group because I was clearly the slowest. Um, I I was trying to ski for the first time. I was pulling all of my equipment in a 45 kilo sled behind me. So there's a lot of stuff going along. And we knew there were polar bears We were like constantly tracking to see if we could see anything. Um, So, yeah, mentally, it was really hard. And physically, it's just the most extreme environment, like even if you're really well prepared. So Alan Chambers, who was the expedition leader, it's the 16th year that he's gone. Um, He's actually got a OBE or MBE, I'm trying to think, um, for an expedition that he did in the late 90s, uh, which was a a world first that involved the North Pole. Um, And even he was really struggling with his hands that year. So it was just, you know, like he's got phenomenal amounts of experience. He's done it. He's probably spent equal amounts of times in those sorts of environment as he has in, you know, other environments. Um, And he just, yeah, he was struggling. So physically it is really hard. Um, You're trying to, you know, if you come across like an ice block or a ridge, you're trying to get over with your skis and you're trying to pull the 45-kilo sled behind you. And sometimes you're on a ridge, and your sled is on a ridge, and your tipping point is at a different time to your sled's tipping point. So it's just, like, physically
1: is really hard. But like <laughs> how do you really train hard. for that as well? Like the training must have... Obviously, anything you do will never be like the actual real experience, but...
0: No, training like no. So, in retrospect, what I should have done was done, like, a ski touring couple of weekends in like Norway or something and that would have really helped me acclimatize and let my hands acclimatize um, but I basically did anything that involved endurance anything that involved strength and um, so I was doing spin classes um, I was doing CrossFit for a little while um, and then that logistically that got too hard because I was trying to juggle everything else um, but the main thing is that you pull tires so I had a harness rigged up to two tyres and I just pulled tyres around the countryside and um, so preferably through mud, through sand, like anything that gives you extra friction Yeah, um, and you just you have to build up your legs and your lower back basically. As strong as possible. Yeah. So if anyone yeah.
1: sees anyone wandering around with tyres strapped to the back so
0: probably that's probably <laughs> what they're training for yeah.
1: <laughs> and what was the so when when you camped out for the evenings you've had your, your day skin what was it like going to sleep were you ever relaxed completely
0: um i struggled a lot with body temperature like i said so when we got into the tent look well i think by design i was sharing a tent with alan who was the expedition leader so we spent a good half hour basically just trying to warm me up um so we broke a couple of sort of polar rules um we had um, our stove inside our tent which is obviously not a good idea but I, I was literally struggling that much um, but you have to be really careful with that because all that condensation will freeze um, so in the morning me and Alan would have a little game to see who could get the other one first so if I woke up first I would bang the tent to make that ice fall onto his face <laughs> or he would do it to me first um but yeah so we did we spent a good half hour just trying to warm me up um and then basically you're melting ice you're melting snow that is what you're doing um to make all of your meals so you have like dehydrated um expedition meals and you're you're basically just melting snow to you know make yourself dinner or make yourself breakfast Um, And you're melting snow for water because your insensible losses, so your breathing losses are really high. And you are sweating despite the fact that you're really cold because you're working so hard. Um, And we were skiing like eight to ten hours a day. Um, So you needed like three to four litres of water. It takes a good two, three hours for two people to have dinner because it takes that long to melt your snow, enough snow to actually make your dinner and make your drinks. Um, so the evening routine was basically all about getting rehydrated, getting food. Um, and then we would call into the camp to let them know our position um, and, yeah, and then go to sleep. But in April, it's um, midnight sun, basically. So it's never dark. All day, all night looks exactly the same. Um, so we all wore like those little airplane like masks yeah. and stuff to try and go to sleep. Um, and you are literally, your sleeping bag is zipped up to here and down to here. And you're just trying to keep warm, basically.
1: What was for you the, the, the I guess, the two points, like the lowest points and then the highest point? So the best part for you and the part
0: that you found, probably the, the worst part. So the highest point was just like a really good hour of skiing um when it's flat and it's fast and we had really good weather so it was minus 30 but that's really good weather we had hardly any wind we had amazing visibility um, <clears throat> and the the sun is really low in the sky obviously because you're basically at the north pole um, and just those those skills that, like, you could never pick up in any other way. So I could tell you, roughly, by day three, day four, I could tell you what time of day it was without looking at a watch, just by looking at where the sun was. Because we were always skiing north. As the sun was moving, you knew what time of day it was. Um, and just the snow sparkles. is like literally skiing on diamonds. Wow. So, just just like a really good hour of just solid skiing and it's really smooth and it's really fast and everything around you is just like twinkling and sparkling and yeah that was just the absolute high point just knowing i'm in this completely crazy environment and i've worked for 18 months to get here and i'm here now and I'm um, doing exactly what I thought I would be doing. That was just incredible. That, that was amazing. Crazy. That so important. Yeah, that was so cool. And then the low point was that um, I didn't actually make it. So I got frostbite in both my thumbs um, and had to be evacuated by helicopter. And I was absolutely gutted. Just completely and utterly hollow. Like yeah. so gutted that after I'd cried a little bit, it was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am. I don't, you know, there was just nothing left inside. And it was very mild, so physically it wasn't like, it wasn't a big problem. But we'd had to work really hard to keep my hands safe. And despite all of that work, I still got frostbite. Well, so how did
1: you overcome that? Because that must be, I mean, I think often it's the
0: the the path to achieving a
1: goal. Sometimes is the, I mean, and also here you describe this, is worth maybe 10 times more than achieving the actual goal itself. But yeah. how do you overcome a mentally approach yourself and, and help yourself through you not know, achieving a goal?
0: I found it really hard and, and I um I didn't I didn't really know like it turned out when I decided you know that okay I'm gonna ski to the North Pole I was kind of using the law of attraction, I was using a lot of visualization, I didn't know any of those things were helpful, I hadn't come across any kind of mindset training um like nothing like that at all and fortunately when I came home it had kind of sparked off something in me I started looking for a lot of that stuff I started looking for resources um and that's basically what I did so I just kind of tried to graciously accept okay this is what's happened um what what can I learn from it what am I going to do with it what have I already learned? What have I already achieved? Um, and I just, you know, one thing that was abundantly clear was I need to do something about my career. I need to do something about my work-life balance. Um, those kids that I've got are the most precious, you know, things, memories, feelings that I have, and they need to be cherished and they need to be looked after as much as possible. So that was, that was my main focus. Um, when I got back and actually I think that's quite a healthy way of doing it is having a focus outside of you yeah because you've been so focused on your own goal and your own achievements is finding something else and what I come to realize more and more now is looking after other people cherishing other people lifting other people cheerleading motivating actually that is the most satisfying thing and that that motivates you yeah in turn. I, I find it very difficult to just kind of motivate myself, but if I can motivate somebody else who does something incredible and that kind of feeds back to me, then I then I get that feeling. Um, so that's basically what I did when I got home. I just thought, okay, I'm going to put all of my time and effort into the kids, into figuring out what my next step is, and I'll just take what I've learned and you know, try my best to move on. I'm not great at moving on. (laughs) So I did spend quite a long time sulking (laughs) and being disappointed and you know, but I think it was kind of inevitable because there was just this is the first time in my life that I've ever had utter certainty about something. I was like, no, I'm going to the North Pole And luckily when I was picked up by helicopter, they actually took me to the North Pole. Oh,
1: that's really lovely.
0: Yeah. On, on my way out on my evacuation so I still was there I took um a load of names on a on printed on a flag um of uh, in memory of people's loved ones and my my biggest concern when I was evacuated was I told people I would take their loved ones to the North Pole and I have to take their loved ones to the North Pole so luckily I was still able to do that so I went and I took photos with the flag and all those people it really touched people that um, so that was that was a you know at least I got to do that kind of thing, um, but yeah I just tried to take the lessons, put those into practice, and then naturally I think other things came up in my mind and other things started to happen.
1: Mm. And everything life started moving. Yeah. Yeah, going forward. And camp, you mentioned about reading. So one of the things I always ask people in here is. Um, what are the three books that you would recommend that have really made an impact on you? <laughs> the Northern Lights by Philip
0: Hormone. Because <laughs> I can. <laughs> 100%, I love that book. Even if you read it when you were 10. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that I mean, genuinely, that had a really big impact on me. And I think um, I, the more, when I got home, I started talking about that and it turned out a lot of people as children read something or heard something or, you know, that really impacted them later on. So just recently in the April, May season, Ben Fogle summited Everest. And that was a childhood dream of his from, you know, all those years ago when he first read about it in like the Encyclopedia Britannica or something, you know? So yeah, so definitely the Northern Lights, just because you read it when you were young doesn't mean it's not powerful. (laughs) Um, What have I read since? I'm in at the moment I'm halfway through chasing excellence by Ben Bergeron who um has been the coach for the two previous like last year's CrossFit Games champions um and his his take on coaching um reaching for excellence rather than perfection and um the way that he kind of incorporates mindset and kind of sports psychology and things into training those athletes, I just think is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I think that I have I will read that over and over again, and I think I'll pick up new stuff from it, you know, each time I read it. Um, and then, gosh, a third one. I love You Are a Badass um, by I Jen do. Sincero because I just – I love – I think sometimes a book finds you at the right time. You start reading something when your mind is kind of open for it. And that was definitely the book for me. Um, And I just love her style. Like the content is probably similar, really similar to loads of other people's books, but just the way she puts it across, I think sometimes you just find somebody who's, personality fits yours Yeah. Um, and I absolutely love that book, I love the fact that she's just so direct and she's so down to earth about what she's saying thank Great. you so 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 much no if worries. You're watching,
1: um, we're going to put links to everything fantastic about